See, if I had this mic right here, you wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. <laughs> Woo, I would have had mixtapes. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Reconciled Discussions, a podcast that shares the stories of believers. This is a special episode as we invite Dr. Rashonda Hardy to the show as she shares her testimony about being both a scientist and a Christian. We hope you enjoy episode five, Faith Under a Microscope. All right, Dr. Hardy, Rashonda Hardy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No problem. How are you doing today? How's everything? I am well. I am well. So a disclosure for everybody, we have a packed house tonight. We have two children, a pup. We got you two running in the back. So uh, surprises are welcomed and we're, we'll embrace all of it. So just a heads up, but it's a, it's a very intimate setting here. It's a kitchen table podcast right now. So we're really excited to get it started. So today's topic, uh, we're talking about science, we're talking about our faith in Christianity, we're talking about God, and we just want to piece everything together. So I invited Rayshonda on the show, um, and let's just talk a little bit about why I invited you. So, um, you know, uh, what is it you do for a living, Rayshonda, and basically, you know, what's your background in this area? Well, just to answer your first question, I think the reason you invited me here is because, number one, I am a Christ follower. Amen. Um, wholeheartedly. Um, I'm also a scientist. <laughs> I'm also yeah. a wife, a mother, a house cleaner. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I wear lots of hats, but those are those are my main occupations. Awesome. Um, I've been in science for probably most of my life. I started working in a lab when I was maybe 16, and it hasn't been until recently I stepped away from the bench. So currently I work in medical communications and for those of you who may not be familiar with that, it's sitting right here. It's kind of a, it's a area of, um, I guess scientific industry where basically you help pharmaceutical companies put together any of their, um, medical communications. Those can be billboards. It can be commercials. It can be, it's mostly manuscripts and, um, manuscripts and um, I'm blanking on the word manuscripts and presentations that they have to give at various venues and for various occasions so it's a lot of you usually you you really use your scientific background mm-hmm. to actually put out all of these materials without the scientific background it would be very difficult to right. do this type of work um, so that's what I do currently okay um, so you kind of doing the you do the footwork. Yes. All the you kind of gather all the details, gather yes. all the information, put a it together. A lot of the research, um, doing outlines, um, helping them outline their manuscripts, like any like basically like you said, all of the footwork we pretty much do all of that, and they get to present our hard work mm. as their own, which technically it is theirs. It's a team effort. It's, it's a, a team, team effort. effort. It takes a. It takes a village, I guess, to it really does. sell a pharmaceutical product. Is it, it their does. pharmaceuticals? Yes, it's okay. their pharmaceutical products. Um, and so we basically help them sometimes from the birth of a product to actual launch and beyond. Right. So, But you, you wholeheartedly, I guess, you identify yourself as a scientist. Yes. Okay. I do. Even and what's I'm not that like? Because I, I, 
I uh, my major in school was exercise science. Yeah. So we mingled with the biologists <laughs> and the chemists, but they were always on another level or a different wavelength, and you're one of them. Yeah. What's that like? You're one it's of those. It's very focused. I, I uh-huh. would say that's the defining, like, I would say, well, I'm a biochemist by training, so we really like to focus in on like the details and the mechanism. And really, I guess at the heart of most biochemists is understanding how things work. Mm. I would say that would that would probably be my first, I guess, natural inclination that drew me to science is that I've always been curious, how does something work? Right. How can I, and I remember as a young child, I used to take things apart, my mom's VCR, my play school, um, right. little walkie-talkies, things that I would take them apart just so that I could try to understand, well, how does this work? And right. can I really understand it, understand how this works so much so that I can either rebuild it or reuse that knowledge to do something else? Right. So I think at the heart of most biochemists, that's kind of what we're interested in. So a lot of our research and a lot of our research endeavors are really focused on taking apart mechanisms and understanding the nuts and bolts and some of the tiny details that some other areas of science might not necessarily be so interested in, but we are interested in that because it kind of unlocks the it unlocks how something is working, how, it, how it's put together and how it functions. That's awesome. Um, when you were saying it, it just I, I gathered some scripture that I felt was going to be applicable to what we were talking about. And actually, I'm just reading uh, Psalm 111 verse 2, and it actually reads... Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Amen. So it's like when you say, basically when you're saying understanding how things work, Mm -hmm. it's like you're delighting in discovering, you know, natural law, the truth of what's going on in the the environment, the truth of what's going on under a microscope. And it's like you're determining, you know, you're you're understanding how things work and you're delighting in it. So I think what you're doing is faithful work. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought... I wouldn't have made that connection until you just kind of put it out there like that. So that's really cool. And I think, um, just to reiterate that scripture, I think even as as a believer and as a scientist, that that's what you do. And it really, I would say my work in understanding how beautifully things fit together. Yeah. And when, as you discover those things, you can't help but be in awe. Yeah. Because it's like, how, Lord, how did you create this? so perfectly like Mm -hmm. and it's just a delight just to discover just even if it's something small which a lot of us biochemists when we make discoveries (laughs) they're not in these huge monumental discoveries but they're just small things and i think people from my i won't say era but from my you know area of Mm -hmm. expertise we we delight in that like this is so cool it might not really mean much to anybody else but to us just being able to uncover that is really rewarding and do you find that that attitude and that posture carries over to your faith as well like absolutely are you somebody that you know digs into the word or 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 tries to get to the heart I don't know get to the heart of things or or try to you know figure out a little more challenging scripture stuff like that do you take on that same attitude I do take on that same attitude and I feel like every little bit of crumb every little thing that I mean you could read the same scripture today and then next week read it and you get something else and it's just a delight and you can share it with people and mm-hmm. for some people it is a word for them and, but it doesn't even matter because right. you got it and you got something new and it, it's enriched your life and that's all that matters so right. I would definitely say yeah it, it really influences I think 
just how I interact with the world and with people in general. And that's why I still, you know, kind of identify as a scientist because it's just kind of how I view the world, how I interact with people, how I view situations, you know, without even trying. It's just a natural inclination, just naturally how God created me. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So, so I just, this is a very silly question, but so all those things in chemistry and biology and all those hard equations and difficult those, those things are fun and easy to you is that what i'm I would say fun not always easy okay yeah. so easy it's funny that you bring that up i that. um i've had people say to me <laughs> i thought you were smart <laughs> and really what they mean <laughs> is that they never thought that i had to struggle uh, with anything academic right right related. right but even if it's difficult it's still rewarding to us Right. It's rewarding to sit there and try to figure it out and try to figure out, you know, how, for instance, I remember um, when I was much younger, math was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Very, very. When I tell people that they're like, what? Yeah. Math was that. De- but it was rewarding to sit there and to struggle through it and to figure out, you know, just the little nuts and bolts that you have to put together to understand an equation and understand how it works and to solve it. That was fun to me. Right. It, w- it would take me hours sometimes, but it was fun to me. And then when you finally get it, it's just like, no one can take that from you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Except father time. Cause there's a whole bunch of stuff I did that I don't remember how I did it or where, where I was. But you know what? If you did it again, it would come back to you. No, that's true. Cause Christy, my wife, she's um, she's in her undergrad, going on to grad school, and there are a few things she'll bring to me, like physics. Yeah. And on first look, I'm like, okay, mm. look, I, I don't know how to do this. Just give me what I need. Give me the equations. Yeah. Give me give me this, and then I'll solve it. Yeah. And it definitely didn't take me as long as I thought. thought. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It does come back a little easier. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's quite shameful when people bring up things from, you know, geometry or physics hmm. or chemistry, and they're like, "You don't, rem- you didn't take." It. I was like, "Yeah, no, I took it. I just don't remember what happened." <laughs> but anyway, that's all. Of us. Okay, that was just me. <laughs> no, it's not. All right, makes me feel a little <laughs> bit better. But uh, before we get into your introduction into the science world, let's talk a little about your introduction into faith, into oh. uh, the Christian faith, into your your relationship with Jesus how what's what's kind of the background behind that so believe it or not I, I would say my earliest um, memories of faith was my mom sitting at a table with her Jehovah Witness buddies so oh. initially <laughs> my mom um, when I was younger much younger I must have been like or something like that. Mm-hmm. She um, used to study with Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. and my babysitter was actually Jehovah's Witness. So I was more, I used to when she would watch me, we would go knocking <laughs> door yeah. to door. I never had to say anything. <laughs> At least I don't remember saying anything. Right, right, right. But that was my first introduction, and then I don't know what happened. I kind of it's kind of blurry, but we kind of transitioned, and we weren't. She wasn't studying with Jehovah's Witness anymore. We were going to like regular church, and we didn't go regularly at that time Mm -hmm. um when i was with my grandmother my grandmother took me to church Mm -hmm. faithfully and Mm -hmm. you know i was a little kid back then they didn't really do children's church like they do now so i had to sit in the five-hour service um (laughs) no and i was always just i guess that they had my mom would talk to me about god a lot um my grandmother she talked to me but i feel like my mom talked to me more about god and um she would you know talk to mostly about just having faith in God, trusting God, 
um, praying for things, praying for me and my brother. Um, that was like my very, very first, first introduction. Mm. So I already kind of had a foundation. It wasn't always necessarily the strongest, but that was my foundation. That's kind of what I compared everything else to. Um, and then as I kind of grew and got older, I actually lived with my aunt for a while. And, I, and mm-hmm. that was probably, I was about maybe 13. And that was the time where I actually gave my life to Christ. I was in Texas. My aunt lives in Texas. And my aunt is a hardcore Christian. Like, yeah, the hardcore. Like, she don't play. Texas produces that. <laughs> for sure. It's, it's very true. And so that's when I actually gave my life to Christ. And I remember a good friend gave me a teen study Bible. I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> those teen study Bibles. But let me tell you, like, I read that thing. Like, it fell apart. Wow. And I just fell in love with, like, the word. And and I guess because those seeds were planted early, I always felt like God was speaking to me. Or, he was okay. Like, I never, I would have to say, I've never questioned that. I know a lot of scientists, not a lot, but some, I guess that's the, that's the stereotype. Mm-hmm. But I never questioned that. I never, I never um, had an issue or a struggle with that. I, I was so amazed by the world, so amazed by what was going on. It was it just made sense to me that there has to be a God. And right. that's that was never really a question in my mind. Um the biggest question was was how was I gonna follow him? Right. And what, what were some of those obstacles in, um in getting to that point? I would say I would say the biggest thing sometimes is just unanswered questions. I remember going to um church and we were taking an offering. I remember being a little kid and I was like, are they gonna like give the money to God, like they're gonna like throw it in the sky, like <laughs> just little stupid right. things like that. Like yeah. just under again, how does this work? Yeah, I would say that's probably been not really a struggle, but just those are the questions that I mold over in my mind. Like if God is who He says He is, how do I interact with Him? Right. And understanding a way to do that that um, I could maintain. You know what I mean? I would say, other than struggles, I don't, I don't think. But those are most of my struggles. Like, how, Lord, you're real. How do I interact with you? How do I do what I believe you're asking me to do? And I never, I didn't always have the answers to that. So I would right. say most of my walk, especially early on, was figuring out how do I do that. When I turned 13 and gave my life to Christ and started reading the Bible, it started to become more clear to me what I'm supposed to do yeah. and how I'm supposed to serve God and how I'm supposed to interact with Him. Amen. That's awesome. That's a that's like a very uh, you know lifelong story. Some people it's like a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Some people it's overnight. Some people it's years and years. So it's always interesting to hear you know how one came to the faith or how mm-hmm. one came to know Christ. So that, that's amazing. Um, so transitioning your your foundations in faith. What how now? How did the interest in science really come about? Was mm-hmm. it something that just like you always liked mm-hmm. it? You always were there. So what's the story behind that? I would say my first, I guess, introduction, I guess, to any, I would say more so start off as curiosity. And mm. I think most scientists kind of start off that way. Um, I was always very curious about, I remember growing up, we had a backyard. Well, it wasn't our backyard. We live in an apartment, but there was like a backyard space. Mm-hmm. And I remember digging in the dirt, making um, mud pies, eating right. them, right. and just being curious about well, what's making up this dirt, and right. there are these worms, and how are they getting around, and you know, just things yeah. like just being cur- just curious things that kids are normally curious about. Mm-hmm. At the time, my mom was a medical assistant, oh, so okay. I was always curious about you know diseases because she worked in infectious diseases at the time. This was like late 
early 90s, so HIV was like... Oh, yeah. So just being yeah. curious, hearing that word, HIV, and, and you know, people were learning more and more about the disease mm-hmm. at, at that time and just learning how people... Just, that was just interesting to me, you know, partly because it was interesting to her, yeah. Um, but it was very interesting to me. And sometimes I would look at my nails like, oh, my God, my nails... Like, I was just fascinated by all of these things. Yeah. And, you know, having a, a, a mother who also, I guess, shared some of those same... Um, interest kind of reinforced my interest in science. Um, so initially I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a, a medical doctor. And right. then I guess those um, shows like ER. So initially I wanted to be a, like an ER trauma surgeon. I would tell everybody, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be an ER trauma surgeon. And right, I'm like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. Most five-year-olds or six-year-olds don't say that, but yeah. that's what I wanted the guts, the blood. I wanted to see it all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because again, I was curious about how these things work. And I also thought I would be able to, you know, help people and, um, I guess a funny side story <laughs> is Let's most of the people that I knew had to go to the doctor or I had a serious like wound were like gunshot wounds or mm-hmm. stab wounds. I was like, yeah, I can help people out that I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but you know, that that's where it, that's where it started, but it didn't it didn't it evolved. Right. Um so I went to junior high, I went to a I, I was I knew I wanted to do science and I I loved academics. Again, like I said, everything didn't come easy to me, but mm-hmm. I loved academics. I knew I had to do well in school to be a good doctor. So I was like, Mom, I want to go to this medical, this um, um science, math science um, magnet school. So she applied, and thank God I got in. Yeah. Um, and I went to that school, and of course, all of my classmates were so they were much more advanced than I was. Right. Um, and so that was a challenge, but I, you know, again, I, I knew that if this is really what I wanted to do, that I got to get with the program. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, it got to the point at this point where my faith was growing and I really kind of felt like it was like in no question in my mind that this is what I was supposed to be doing. You know, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So I just kind of rolled with the punches and Mm -hmm. that faith and knowing that this is what I was supposed to do kind of kept me going even when it was difficult, you know, even when. At times, I you experienced some isolation. At times, I experienced certain teachers who really didn't want to help me, you know, right. because they didn't feel that I was competitive enough yeah. like the other students. But I remember in junior high, I never really, by the time I got out of sixth grade, seventh grade to eighth grade, I never hung out at lunch. I was always trying to get tutoring for math. <laughs> and my best friend would be like, you're always in there. He's not going to help you. The teacher, he really didn't want to help me. Yeah. He wanted to, you know, do math and computer games with the smart kids. That's what they would do at lunch. And I was right. like, somebody's going to help me understand this algebra. <laughs> and she was like, I don't know why you waste your time in there. He's not going to help you. And every now and again, one of the, I would either work on my homework or I would get weasel somebody into helping me. Right, and right. eventually it paid off. I was able to finally figure out basic algebra after yeah. a couple of years. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of how it how it went, you know. So how did you, because ultimately you did not become a medical doctor. No. How did that fade out or how did mm. that transition or evolve into being more of a research scientist um, and seeking a PhD rather than an MD, you know, at that time? So how, how, did, how did that transition kind of play out? Oh, well, this is, I'm going to try to, condense this story because there were a lot of defining moments in that transition. So Uh I'm going to try to make this as clear and as impactful as I possibly can. Okay. So, um, by the time I went into, uh, high school, Mm -hmm. 
I still was like, I'm going to be a medical doctor. This is what I'm going to do, blah, 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 blah. So I, um, I would always try to find some type of um, academically enriching program to do for the summer. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like to sit at home and do nothing for the summer. I was not that kid. Right. And so there was this medical summer program at UCLA, and I was like, basically what you do is you shadow a doctor. Um, you have this one um, doctor mentor who kind of, I guess they, they wanted you, wanted them to stick with you after the after the program ended, but you start off with a, a um, person, that, a doctor you're shadowing, mm-hmm. and hopefully that relationship would blossom into this wonderful mentorship <laughs> situation. Okay, um, yeah. I think you also had to take classes. I don't really remember. So anyway, uh-huh. I had an interview for it. So I applied. I in, I got the interview. I went, and I had to interview with the director of the program. And she asked me a question. She asked me, what do you think is, like, the most important health issue that we face today? Mm-hmm. Mind you, I'm in the ninth grade. Yeah. <laughs> so I tell her, I begin to tell her, you know, because I was, like, on this food kick. I was like, you know, I think the food that we eat and how we regulate, like, before, Dang. by the time I got to regulate, she, like, cut me off. She was like, don't you think that HIV and blah, 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 blah. Like, she just, like, went off on me. Like, she didn't wow. let me finish my explanation. She didn't want to hear it. That's profound. I mean, you were ahead of the game. If this was, what, 1990? Yeah, it was like 99. Oh, 99? Woo, child, 95. I don't know. Listen, my math, it's a little early. I'm I'm still trying to get my math together. 99. It was like 99, yeah. That's number one, hands down, right now, uh, diabetes education, obesity. This is all on the forefront now in 2018. Mm -hmm. So you were, what, 20 years ahead of the game? I and mean, this lady was like, what no. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. She was like, what are you talking about? Like, she she wow. didn't want to hear it. So, needless to say, I knew I didn't get that interview. And that kind of- Rashonda, I'm here to say today, you were right. That is the most important thing. One of the most important things <laughs> Thank in the you. medical field. And I work in a hospital. And wow. I, I hear it. I see it every day. That's the number one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. People can't get heart surgery because they have mm. diabetes. People can't, uh, you know, get- they. They, uh, you know, lose limbs because of diabetes and things like that. Or, you know, they have the hardest time recovering from any type of surgery because they're obese. Yeah. Or they have sleep apnea, et cetera, or anything. Yeah. You know, so you were ahead of the game. That's amazing. I'm glad you shared that. So So wait, was that the reason why you didn't go for it? I was part of the reason. I was just like, at first I was... I felt bad because I was like, man, I really want to get into this program. And, you know, it's at UCLA and blah, 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 blah. But then my mom actually took me to the interview and she saw when I came out, I looked sad. She's like, what happened? And I was like, let's just go. I didn't want to talk about (laughs) Uh it. So I told her what happened and blah, blah, blah. And my mom went off the hinges. Uh (laughs) But then as I thought about it, I was like, well, if this is the type of student they want, I wouldn't be a good fit. And that's probably not a good place for me. Right, right. So... Fast forward to that, I still need to find something to do for the summer. <laughs> the summer. So needless to say, I couldn't find anything to do for the summer. So I tried to take some classes at a community college that didn't work out. Anyway, so fast forward, I have chemistry. Uh-huh. And my chemistry teacher actually was an alumni of Cal State LA. Okay. And so, of course, I was doing well in my chemistry class. And she was telling me, you know, I know you're interested in the medical field, but let's try this research program for the summer. Now, again, like I said, I'm not the type of kid that likes to be at home mm-hmm. for the summer. So I said, I'll give it a try. She's like, worst case scenario, you get a check for the summer. Like, right. 
worst case scenario. So I applied for the program. The program, it was a Project C program. That is a shameless plug. I'm putting (laughs) it in there. It's called Project C program. And what that program basically does is it's an opportunity for inner city youth to get research exposure to, you know, in a real lab, Mm -hmm. doing real research that's tailored to your, you know, academic level. But um, definitely you're in a real lab, you're doing research. And that was my first experience at in a lab. Right. And I absolutely loved it. That's awesome. Absolutely loved it. And and at that point, you know, you could always do like MD, PhD. So initially I was thinking, well, maybe that's that's something I would do. The C sound, I'm sorry, does the C stand for community? No, it's Project Seed, S-E-E-D. Oh, Seed. Yeah, I don't oh, know my. what any of that stands for. Don't even, I don't even They're remember. planting the seed. They're going to watch the, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it, was an, it was an awesome program, awesome program. In addition to the experience as you know, because you're also a Cal State LA alumni. Mm-hmm. Yes, we <laughs> Golden are. Eagles. Fun fact, me and Rayshonda <laughs> both graduated from the same undergrad. Not at the same time. No. But we had some same some same uh, professors. Yeah. One of them is Vicky, who is yeah. a, a chemist, uh, you know, by profession yeah. and a very great person and was a probably a bigger mentor to you, but definitely a mentor to me as well, so... Um, yeah, that's a fun fact about our background in that sense. And we met in, uh, we became friends in the church, in our church in New York. So it wasn't that we knew each other from Los Angeles. We knew each other in New York, which is even more mind boggling. <laughs> There's oh, <a> God. <laughs> fun story actually. And I'm going to make this quick in, uh, in my hospital at uh, Mount Sinai, St. Luke's, uh, the other day I was, uh, I was working my floor, which is the cardiac step down. Mm-hmm. And uh, every two weeks, we have like a team of uh, residents and interns that come through. And all all this time, I had seen this one gentleman, and I'd seen him, and I thought he looked familiar. And I was just like, you know what? I probably just know him from the hospital. And I kept looking at him. And then finally, on his last day, because they'd only do two weeks, I was Mm -hmm. like, I just looked at him. I was like, do I just know you from this hospital? And right away, he goes, he goes, oh, I don't know. Uh, Did you go to Cal State LA? Wow. And I was like, William? So long story short, it's this guy, William Sai, who... Wait a at, minute. Do you maybe know him? I might know William Sai. That name sounds so familiar. He's young. He's young. He's Was he an Eepster? Yes. Yeah, I know him. What? Even smaller world. Oh, my oh gosh. Lord. Okay. So, so I'm like, I don't know what you know about William Sai, but I know William Sai only good things. So... Whatever you have to say about William Sai. It's nothing bad. Oh, okay, because you said, oh, Lord, and looked away. I was I like, oh, Lord, like I'm really that old. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what William Sai did to you. Yeah, it was him. Wow. This guy was solely responsible for helping me pass, uh, what was that class? Quantitative analysis was, chemistry. Oh, Lord. He was solely responsible. Wow, yeah. That quantitative analysis. Yeah. I looked at him dead in the eye in this documentation room. I was like, William, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, in, in college, I was 22, 20, maybe 22 years old at that time, and he was about 15, 15 years old. Yep. So at Cal State LA, you guys might not know this, but we have a program called Easter's, like early entrance program. So basically, these kids take a test that's like the SAT, and some of them are like 12. <laughs> and if they get a certain score, they start college. So you have like 12, 13, yeah. 14, 15 year olds taking college classes. A lot of them want to go into medicine. So how did and you how do you know him? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was in the biochemistry club or something like that. Oh. So sometimes these Eepsters, what happens is even if they're not 
enrolled. They have brothers and sisters that are enrolled, so they're around. Ah. Or they have friends and they're around because right. again, they're you getting know, ready. They're getting ready. They're so gonna do this. That name sounds so so. That's him. You familiar. got him. I, I I shook his hand. I was like, "Congratulations, you're a doctor. You made wow. it." Wow. <laughs> because I saw him as like a child, basically. Yeah. No, and now they he's are. Like a, responsible for people's lives it's wow amazing. that's amazing yeah it was full circle and, and i mean mind-blowing again we met in we met again in new york not somewhere <laughs> in los angeles it was in the same documentation room on in one of the many hospitals in manhattan it was just like this is crazy wow but anyways uh so i mean i think the obvious questions when we talk about science and we talk about god you know they lie in belief systems mm. or you know, uh, identity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are the challenges with you being, let's start with you as a Christian mm. in a room full of scientists that maybe mostly have a secular perspective on the world or maybe have a, you know, a, even an atheistic point of view on things. Maybe that's, maybe that's stereotyping, but I think that can be the case a lot of the time. So I don't know, what, what are your challenges that you face that, sitting in a room like that or working in an environment such as that? Um, as I guess I kind of alluded to earlier, I think that um, part of my purpose was to be a scientist, but also be a wholehearted believer. Yeah. And I, I feel that a lot of my challenges, um, they may they may be challenges professionally, but I think a lot of them are addressed maybe on an interpersonal level. Right. So I would say um, that's been a lot of my battlefield is when you come in um, to the science where I feel like people know that they're in your full fledged believer. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not the only one. There are others right, right. <laughs> um, on the research side as well as the clinical side. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of those challenges are more so interpersonal. They do spill out into, you know, um, policies and things of that nature. But I feel like a lot of them are interpersonal and I feel like I've been able to kind of, deal with them more effectively on that level as opposed yeah. to kind of in a big crowd or anything like that. But just most mostly the people that I'm working with on a day-to-day on certain um, projects, mm-hmm. that's where the clashes really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm just a regular biochemist. I'm not a Nobel laureate. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't work, you know, in government. So a lot right. of my interactions are, you know, small interactions that I'm having with people who may be in positions to make those type of um, mm. broad changes. So I really, I would say for me, um, I think the biggest thing is sometimes people try to test your authenticity. Wow. Or test, because that's what we naturally do as scientists. They don't right. even know that. It's just something we naturally do. It's like yeah. this person says they're this. Let me put them in this situation right. and see how they're going to respond. And I would have to honestly say that's that's mostly what I've dealt with as a scientist. I have had some heated discussions with people about God, specifically Jesus. Um, and those discussions have gotten heated. But I would say that, number one, I was able to have those discussions because of the grace and understanding that I showed them initially right. to make them even comfortable enough to talk to me about it. Right. Um, I have or one. Desire to I have one. Re- well, I had one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had one really good friend, really good friend um, that was an atheist, and we would have these conversations. But again, I think. Well, he he told me one of the reasons why he would talk to me is because you know he knew that I wouldn't judge him. 
Yes, we have very clear different beliefs, but he's like, I know you're not going to judge me. I know you're not going to not be my friend just because we don't agree on this. And I feel like that's kind of how I've had to navigate. You know, you know my stance. You know what I believe. Right. Um, but I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to not be your friend because we don't believe. But I'm going to show you more grace. I'm going to show you more love. Right. I'm going to correct in love. I'm yeah. going to accept correction in love. And I feel like in that way, people really, they know that something's did. There were a lot of people that I started out. And because they kind of knew where I stood, they were really standoffish about me. Right. But as we got to know each other and they got to see that, yeah, she may believe differently than I do, but... I can talk to her. She can actually help me. That's a big thing. I've helped a lot of people through some of their social difficult times and even social interactions with your boss. Right. You know what I mean? And so having those interactions with people, I think really give them an intimate and, and valuable view of Christ in a way that they never had before. So I would say that's, that's really been where I can speak from confidently. Wow. And I think those those interactions are important, like I said, because a lot of these people may be in those positions to make certain decisions that affect um, large groups of people. So right. I think those are really important. And I think, you know, seeing a Christian um, take a, a be in a, a hard situation and, and, and handle it with integrity and with character and with mm-hmm, care, mm-hmm. that that changes people's hearts more so than having an argument with them and beating right. them down so with pin words. Them down. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Even if you do do that, they mm-hmm. don't really want to talk to you anymore. Like they don't want to know your God. Mm. They they just their hurt feelings are hurt and they kind of shut down even more. That's been my right. experience. So, um right. that's what I've right. had to do that on a lot of levels and in my interactions with people, I've seen how our relationships have evolved and even how they have been more understanding and gracious to other people because something has changed in them. So. Mm. You know, talking about just people, I guess, in a room full of people that may be um, thinking differently than you. or or And I've been in situations working in a hospital, too, where I speak to other you know people in the medical profession that have science backgrounds and... Uh, you know, it's funny when they talk and, and they say things that there really isn't proof for. Mm-mm. There's yeah. evidence for yes. certain things. There's indications that certain events may right. have occurred uh, in a certain manner or what have you. But it's funny because just much like our faith, mm-hmm. the same as I would say, uh, you know, Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Do you know? Do, do did I see it happen? Did I know that it? Did I witness it firsthand? Absolutely not. But I know it to be true. I understand that that is my faith. But on the contrary, these individuals that I've spoken to and had conversations with is they have such faith in certain things such as evolution or uh, the uh, concept of how the earth came to be. But they see it as knowledge Mm -hmm. and they see it as fact, even though it really doesn't, the evidence doesn't point to it as Mm -hmm. fact. And, um, Thinking about this, I came across 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 20 and 21, and uh, it reads, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called, quote-unquote, knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. So, I mean, I know this isn't, he's not... I think Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, but I, I don't think he's telling Timothy, like, hey, careful with those people that are saying the earth is round or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's what he's talking about. But I think it applies perfectly yes. when we think about um, when we think about just 
the fact that uh, the the understanding of creationism, the understanding that God created the earth is innate in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That I believe it's Romans that says it's evidence. The mm-hmm. evidence is around us. Where we are without excuse when we see the invisible attributes attributes of the Lord and being understood through nature. Like we're we we're without excuse. So it's in our hearts, and I think it's important not to 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 steer away from what we know to be true for the quote-unquote knowledge of man or mm-hmm. or the uh, professed uh, understanding of the world that really can really mess with our, our yeah. faith in the Lord. Yeah. I would, I would say um, it can, and I, I think that's the importance of foundation. You know, I, I don't... I guess I learned early on, you know, just there's... Just, Christianity is not that difficult on the basic level. Sure. We were lost. We needed a savior. Everyone has ever, I don't know if before I could swim, I jumped in the water. My mom pulled me. I needed to be saved. Correct. Spiritually, we were, we were all in that place. Mm. We needed a savior. Jesus was the only one that could save us. Mm. He came, he saved us, and it's a gift. Amen. You can take it or you can leave it. And I think sometimes, and even in speaking to people who have opposing views, you have to keep it very basic. And I think right. sometimes when we keep it basic, it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. I, it, 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 it helps you to, to steer, be, be put in the right direction. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our knowledge, it gets the truth and the basic understanding and the foundation gets convoluted and we get lost. Yeah. You get lost in the sauce, as they say, and <laughs> yeah, and it's it's when you have so much knowledge and you're around so many you know smart people, it's very right. it's very easy to do that. Yeah, it's extremely extreme. I can't sh- stress how easy it is to get lost in that and yeah. feel that you have to you have to believe a certain thing or be a certain way to be successful in a certain field, and that's just not true. You know, mm. it's not true, but it's difficult to navigate because, you know, you're going to, you're going to, um, you're going to stand out in some right, cases right? and people are going to disagree with you in some cases. Sometimes you may surprise at the, at the, at the support that you do get when you come out of the closet right? <laughs> yeah. as a Christian for lack right. of a better word. But I think you just got to go to go to the basics. And I think it's something we do learn in science, but again, with all the knowledge and all the, you know, the headiness, it gets lost. It was funny. I was at a, a, a conference for a vascular ultrasound mm-hmm. and there was also, uh, some, uh, I guess, uh, I guess they're cardiologists, but, uh, those that perform, uh, heart catheterizations okay. and stuff like that. Long story short, uh, there was a group of doctors from somewhere in the South. I think they were from Georgia mm-hmm. or... Why did your accent come out when you said Georgia? What did I say? How did Georgia. I say? Georgia. <laughs> I was just in Georgia. Maybe I adopted it. Her, her, cousin, her cousin said y'all about 500 times. Y'all, what do you got? What do y'all want to go do? What do you want? What do y'all want to go eat? I was like, man, that's perfect. Um, so that's probably where I got it from. Anyways, these doctors, it was funny because they were having this conversation with another uh, uh, medical doctor from, I think he was from the East Coast, and they were trying to, like, emphasize that they believe that, they were talking about, I guess, the, I guess the eventual, uh, what's going to happen to the earth, you know, Mm. what's going to happen to the earth, and these guys from Georgia, who appear to be, have some type of Christian views, they were trying to explain that. They basically were just trying to explain revelations. They were trying mm. to explain that they think that ultimately the earth is going to be 
destroyed. And they're trying to explain this in like <laughs> like medical science terms, terms, science terms. <laughs> and then the other guy is trying to say, no, 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 we need to conserve, we need to like preserve, we need to make sure that the earth lasts forever. And these two guys are trying to bat in like, no, no, it's going to be just like the earth is going to be destroyed. And it was just really funny to watch because clearly I know where they're coming from. Maybe maybe it was just pessimistic that they just thought, yeah, the earth is going to get destroyed. But they kept saying it in a way that was a little uh, ambiguous. But the closing end was I think they believe Jesus will return and ultimately that we'll have a new heaven and a new mm. earth. But it was really funny because they were trying to have that conversation in, in an intellectual way. And it was cool. Right. Um which is funny because I find myself when I have those conversations, it just gets to a point mm. where you can have the intellectual, you can have it for a while. Right. But then at some point you need to just drop the bomb. Exactly. And it's like, well, I'm really just saying this because this is what the Bible says. says. And that's all I'm really getting this from. And I've seen uh, commonalities with other uh, research or other scientific facts. And there are some common indications that it's true but really like at the end of the day like this is this is where i'm getting it from and this is why i believe it so i was like when that it it, it's inevitable that that part has to happen eventually Mm. like you get you can only do the intellectual dance for so So long long. before you're like listen i'm saying the earth is gonna be destroyed because it's in the book of revelations like that's where i'm coming from but it's it's fun and and i think it's it's a good place to be for a believer it's a good place place to be for a scientist to be able to to talk about these things because they, they're important and everybody's thinking them. Yeah. And I think it points to, I guess, a lot of the things that the Bible talks about, but ultimately the concept that there are absolutes. Mm. There are absolutes. And I think you can run away from it as much as you want to, but at the end of the day, as you just demonstrated, yeah. there's an absolute. Like, yeah. There has to be an absolute for any of this to work. That makes any- me of these um, scientific concepts. Or any, mm-hmm. There has to be certain things that are just, this is what it is. Yeah. And I think the foundation of that is God. Amen. You know, so. Well, Colossians, I, uh, I have here Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 reads, He is before he being God. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Amen. So when you're saying like there has to be an ultimate authority, there has to be a final say, right. and they, it's evident, you know, it is God. And, and he is the piece that holds the whole puzzle together. Amen. So, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, wrapping things up, I just want to ask you, what what are your aspirations? What are your goals as a scientist? What, what, is your, what are your future next steps that you want to embark upon? So, um, as I, I guess I could start, um, where should I start? Maybe I should start in the, because I have, I have, Things again, scientists. Things are categorized in my brain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and stacked. <laughs> Nothing yeah. stacked and categorized in my home, but in my brain, <laughs> it's all organized. Um, so I guess career-wise, I currently work as a medical, um, a biomedical writer. Mm-hmm. So um, at this point, I would like to take more of a leadership role in that um, aspect, where I would be more involved in strategic thinking and mapping out um, certain um, strategies for pharmaceutical companies and things of that nature and being in more of a place of influence to influence, um, you know, how certain um, endeavors are played out and also the purpose and the intent behind certain endeavors. So so career-wise, that's something that I'm striving towards. Um, I would say family-wise, I have... A husband and these two boys. So my biggest goal is to make sure that they are lovers of Christ. Amen. <laughs> in everything that they do. Um, 
Amen. And so those are those are like those are the two main things that are in my life as far as ministry wise. I do. I was gonna say full time. I'm not in full time ministry. I don't know why that was gonna come out of my mouth. But anyway, I think you're full time enough. Full time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Full time enough. I don't know what um, qualifies full time, but I think I you're in there. <laughs> but ultimately, those are the things. And I guess one other thing that I really work. I actually work with a couple of people, even from church, mm-hmm. is to just um, to help people from my community be exposed to different opportunities within science. Wow. So this past, that was, I was pregnant with Miles, so that was a while ago. Maybe last year I gave a talk at one of our, um, uh, Lonnie, you know Lonnie. Oh, uh, outreach? Yeah, I gave a talk at her, because she's a teacher. She's a chemistry and biology teacher at high oh, school. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, I went there and I talked to them basically about my whole career from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what I do now. So a big part of my heart is reaching out to our community um, to let them know that there are opportunities for you. You are able, you know, to get into this field if this is what you want to do. Right. And, you know, shine your light, you know, in any way that you can. So those yeah. are things that I work towards. Um, since the boys have been born, I haven't been able to get in there as much as I can. But I do um, keep strong relationships with my um, graduate school um, even my undergrad, I go back. I went to California maybe a couple of years ago just to give a talk to encourage the undergrads. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those things are very important to me, and I do them as much as I can. Um, and I would like to expand more and have something maybe formal, a right. formal, whether it's a tutoring, mentoring program, something along those lines. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just an idea in my mind. And I've wrote, written some notes about it, but ultimately that's one thing that I would like to do. That's awesome. So what, what for your boys here, you see future scientists in them? Um, well, right now I think Ryan is going towards break dancer. He likes okay. to break dance. Um, viable career. Viable career. Um, or maybe uh, artist. <laughs> he likes comics. Oh, okay. So maybe we can mesh the music with yeah. the comic book characters sure. and things of that nature. Miles right now... Um, He's just a professional chiller, so yeah. we're not sure yet what hey, he wants to you do. Gotta have one. But I think the important thing is, at least for them, is I, I like to expose them to different things that's and good. just kind of see where they go. That's awesome. Um, and so I think that's important. And so I, I'm not gonna pick anything, but whatever they decide to do, I want to be there to support them and to to help them any way that I can. Amen. Well, I, f- I came across this quote I thought could be a little bit mm-hmm. inspiring to you. It's from George Washington Carver. Uh, great boat. Uh, oh my God, Bo- botanist. I almost botched <laughs> that word. Botanist and chemist. Um, and he's obviously famous for kind of basically inventing peanut butter and how to use peanut products to mm-hmm. not only make money but to feed people. Feed people. Mm-hmm. And um, he said this. He said, "As I worked on projects which fulfilled a real human need, forces were working through me, which amazed me. I would go to sleep with an apparently ins- insoluble problem." When I awoke, the answer was there. Why then should we who believe in Christ be so surprised at what God can do with a willing man or woman in a laboratory? Amen. So I thought that that could just... That is excellent. <laughs> it really sparked some uh, motivation in, in what Amen. you're going to do next. Amen. So a closing thought, what, what, what can you tell our listeners? What can you tell our curious listeners or our scientific, uh, you know, involved listeners or just those that are seeking answers, what, what can you tell them from your perspective that um, 
can help them or can encourage them? I would say don't be afraid. That's the first thing. Don't be afraid. Um, Do your science, do your worship, do everything is worship to God. You know, don't be afraid to love science. Don't be afraid to love God loudly. Um, And just do it to do it with the most integrity, with the most whole heart that you can do it with. Um, Live loudly. Mm. In a nutshell, um, you don't have to crouch behind and be afraid. You don't have to allow yourself to be covered and and set back by doubt. God has put this desire in you, and he wants you to use it, and you can use it to glorify him. So Amen. that's what I would say. Rayshonda, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You did such a great job. I think we got to have you on again. And uh, I'm going to ask harder questions next time, you okay. know, like quantum physics and That's fine. things like that. I'm really going to do my homework for the next one and really try That's to... That's fine. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my PhD is in cell biology. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Rayshonda. It was a great episode. Thank you so much for coming on, and God bless you for what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Okay, adios.